are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. This morning I come to you like I'm certain you are. I have such a heavy, heavy heart about our world and our country, what I see these days. I see so much rebellion, so much hatred, so much hurt. There has to be an answer. I don't think the answer is found in legislation. I don't think the answer is found in more money. I don't think the answer is found in more personal dialogue. Talking man to man. But I think in our text, and I believe in our text, we have an answer. Isn't it amazing how we've exed God out of all of this? You don't, you don't hear on any news where the churches are in prayer and churches are in fasting and church pastors are praying together or whatever the case may be. You don't hear on the news, we've got to get, the, we must get the churches open because the only hope America has is what Jesus gave his life for the church. And I commend you for being here today. It, we, we, we are on the verge, on the precipice of literally seeing our nation collapse. It's gonna collapse. But there is hope. And it's found in the Bible, it's found in this building right here and buildings just like this. If my people, God always changes the course of history with his people. My people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. Then why hear from heaven? I think too long we as pastors have been so engaged with uh, how can we be more appealing uh, to our society? How can we be more, uh, more soft or an easier approach? Or how can we change our church to make it, everybody, everybody do whatever you want. I don't believe that's the answer. I believe it's a thus saith the Lord. It's interesting that's happened to me and I have thought about not telling you this. I thought about telling you this, but during this COVID many weeks, I have prayer journals and from sometimes year to years they get worn out so I, I transfer them. It took me a long time. I transferred my prayer journal. I just completed it recently. And I have page after page after page and many of your names are on there, different capacities and ministries where you serve and duties that you have and responsibilities you have here. And there's the sick and there's the military and our church and, and, and there's the, uh, those that are out serving God out of our church. There's just so many different divisions. But one division I have that's pages and pages and pages is that of backslidden. And this will give you something to talk about on the internet. I've reduced my backslidden list. There are some I've kept on that have been there for years, but I don't see a five and a 10 and a 15 and a 20, 25 year old backslider in the Bible. And I don't have enough time. My biological clock is moving fast. 
and the rapture is really coming fast. I don't have time to pray for backsliders for 10 and 15 and 20 years when we got a world that's dying and going to hell. I'll pray for backsliders. And I love people, you tell me to pray for something, I'll pray for it. We got a world that's lost. Our neighborhoods are lost. And I'm praying, oh dear God, bring this couple back. They've been out of church for 22 years now. Bring them back to church. They're not coming. That's not a lack of faith. They have chosen their direction. I believe that we have an urgency of the hour. I need to plant in the harvest field of God's humanity today where I can see a crop produced for God, not for this church. I've long, long before the COVID thing was shut down, I saw where we were coming. I said, if the church shuts down, you heard me week one when we were still in here, there's gonna be casualties. And I know there will be casualties. And I love you, I'll wave at you in the street. I'll say hi to you, I'll be cordial, I'll be a gentleman, but I don't have time to babysit backsliders that don't want God or don't want this church. There are good churches around here. You can go, I'm not trying to get rid of anybody. My goal is not to fill 3,000 seats. My goal is to preach the word. And in your families, for your family, if you don't like it here, go find what you're looking for. You're not, you're not on my bad list, God bless you. Well, what if you're down to 1,000 people? That's where we're at, that's where we're at. I'll say this, I go back to my biological clock, I'll tell you what, I don't wanna be part of another church. Even if one day there's another pastor here, he lets me stay, I don't wanna be part of another place. I love this place. I love what this place believes. I love the philosophy of this place. I love the direction of this place. I love what this place is trying to accomplish for 45 years in July. I, I, I want this thing right here. Nothing's gonna change on the streets of America and nothing's gonna change in the, in the church house until we get back to what Jesus said right here in this text. They said, Master, Master, oh, tell us about the great law. Jesus said, verse 37, read it with me, would you please? Chapter number 22, verse 37, ready, begin. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. When you don't fall in love with Jesus, you're gonna have hatred in your heart toward mankind. It starts, it begins with our relationship with God. But when, when our relationship with God is right, when my relationship with God is right, I don't see carnality and griping and complaining and gossip and hatred and social media and tearing people down. I don't see that. Every time I hear things like that, I think there's no relationship with God. There cannot be a relationship with God because when we get close to God, we wanna be God-like, godly. We wanna walk in his path. We wanna do what he wants in our life. And it shows up in the next verse. The second is like unto the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The only hope the streets of America have, the only streets is if God's people begin with their responsibility to love one another, loving people. 
I'm not talking about we just hold hands. We, uh, a lot of that stuff is just about me. I'm talking about when we get on our knees before God and turn to God and say, oh dear God, we as a people, we need you. Red, yellow, black, brown, white, rich, poor, fat, skinny, tall, short, educated, uneducated, we need God. We absolutely need God. And love, I'm speaking today, is the key. Love is the key in America right now. If we can learn to love our neighbor as ourselves, Love is an action. It's always demonstrated. When you say, I love someone, it's demonstrated. My wife and I, we've had so many acts of demonstrations these last 13 weeks. Texts galore, emails galore, phone calls galore, cookies, brownies, flowers, candy, gifts, gift cards, and I'm not asking for anything. People just call and we're praying for you. I've had so many of you, I saw you this morning, said, Pastor, you and your sweet wife have been in our prayers. We know that. You have sustained us in a time that is a great need in America's history. But I want you to know that love is always demonstrated. And when we love our neighbor, we'll demonstrate that love to our neighbor. I'm talking about the one that's immediate next door. I'm talking the one that's in our neighborhood. I'm talking the one that's in our city. I'm talking, you can see all those illustrations in the Bible. I'm talking about those in our world. There's a, a compassion and a love and say, I want to put it to action. How is it that this church, by December of this year, will have started and begun 400 churches in the Philippines, paid the pastor's salary, built them a building, and then it was indigenous and on its own. How in the world does that happen? 400 churches, because some people fell in love with God and God's work and the Filipino country, the land of the Philippines, more than we fell in love with all the things and the equity we're building and the 401ks we're building and all this. And I'm not saying you can't have those. I'm saying love is always an action. How is it that you responded to general emissions when in many cases you don't even have it. I think of a lady that, that in our church uh, lives on a, as a widow on a limited income, and yet when she got her stimulus money, all of it went to the work of God. I tried to talk her out of it. I said, we'll make it. And she said, no, I wanna make sure our church survives. I, I think of what some of you people have done and just to survive your business as you cash out, 401ks and it's a big expense. I'm not suggesting you do that. I don't know how to advise you there. But then you tithe off of what you take out to support your business. God bless you folks. You know what that is? That's an action of love. That is a demonstration of love. Please turn with me in your Bible to this tremendous text and I won't have you turn again. But in First John, if you will, toward the end of the Bible, first and second Peter, first and second, third John. We'll go to first John in chapter number three, and I appreciate you listening so very well today. First John, in my Bible, it's page number 1,323 is where I'm looking today. First John chapter three. Notice what the Bible says, verse 14. Could you read it with me today as we're thinking about love is the key? Verse 14, ready, begin. We know that we have passed from death unto life 
Because we love the brethren. Look at verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. He no, no murder hath eternal life abiding in him. Whereby we perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. So ought we to lay down our lives for our brethren. And whoso hath this world's goods and seeth his brother have need, shutteth up his bowels of compassion and from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Verse 23, and this is the commandment that we should believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and the love one another. Chapter four, verse seven. I tell you on the streets of America today, what is need is loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving God, loving mankind, beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. See, when our relationship with God is right, our relationship with man will be right. That's what he's telling us here. Verse number, verse number nine. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. For no man hath seen God at any times. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Verse number 19, let us read it together. Ready, begin. We love him. Verse 20, would you read it please? If any man say, I love God. Verse 21, please, ready, begin. A man many years ago began, General Booth, they call him, what was called the Salvation Army. The first word was the key to their organization, salvation. Mr. Booth would go on the corners of streets all over America, and in London they also had it, and they would preach the gospel. They'd get a trumpeter to play, some instrumentals to play, and they'd sing, and then people would gather, and he'd preach the word of God. His wife was an amazing woman. She died in 1890. Catherine, uh, Catherine Booth, she was a lady that was born into a drunkard's home in the 1838. Her dad was a drunk. He was a wicked man and a vile man, a hurtful man. He'd hurt and damaged her. He was very unkind. She grew up in that environment. To top it off, she was very sickly. She suffered all through her childhood with her sickness. And then as she became older, she was in breathing pain her entire life. Lived from 1838 until 1890. But she saw the condition of people in the streets of our city. She saw the lawlessness and the hatred. She saw the fistfights and all that took place. They would go down in the slum areas and see men and women in the gutters of the street as drunks and winos, as they would call them. She's now passed away and she's laying in her coffin in Congress Hall. Parliament members came by to see her. I mean, the big politicians of the era in London and 
Parliament came to see this dear lady. She dedicated her life to boys and girls, to men and women. She would every single night go to the streets of the city where the drunks were and speak to them about their need for Jesus Christ. They lived basically themselves in really poverty. They had nothing in life. She had no fancy clothes. She did not have a fancy house. They didn't have any possessions worth talking about. She just lived for the people we call the down and outers. Parliament came by to see her body in Congress Hall. Half-starved little boys and girls, they said, and they were weeping, said, she loved me. She loved me and wept at her coffin. Rough boys that had found themselves in fistfights most of their life came by to see her, weeping as they came. Children from the slums came. Friends came. Coworkers came. One drunk came up there, and he was somewhat a little bit inebriated as he came. And he stood in his coffin and began to weep and tremble and cry. And that old drunk said this, and these words have rung out since 1890, that woman loved me. She loved his soul. She had pled with him to get saved. She won thousands of Christ. I tell you what's gonna change America is not just a state and a city, but a church and an individual. I don't know what other people are gonna do, but it's been musing on me all week, all week, I can't get over it. For a church, I tried to catch a clip of the news on Wednesday night, see what was going on, and I saw something that was so despicable to me, it just made me sick to my stomach, and I said, I'm not watching any more, I knew, I'm not taking it. And I don't know, I haven't, one time, a couple years ago, I said for a year and a half, I wasn't gonna listen to the radio, I wasn't gonna listen to TV, and it happened. I have no desire to watch all that criminality. I have no desire to see it. I have no desire to see beating people, hurting people, whatever, wh wh whoever's at fault. I have no desire to see it. I have desire to figure out, well, God, what do you want me to do to reach this church and reach my area for Christ? What do you have me to do? I saw those buses lined up over there last night. And I saw them back here this morning. I said, oh, dear God, we put a million and a half dollars in buses and there they sit now for a week 13. Help us to run the buses again to boys and girls and mothers and dads that are in their homes today saying, hey, we want the church to pick us up. You bus captains, you know that's true. You've been at the doors. We've not entered any of the doors, but we've been at the doors every week and our bus captains and our Sunday school teachers have been so good about this and the parents and the kids are saying, when can we come back? We miss, we miss our church. They want to be back to church. I tell you what, those buses in 45 years have transported 1.5 million riders. It's changed areas in our area. area. I was witnessing to a man during this breakdown, during this COVID. I gave him a gospel track as I, I used to go to that church all the time. I got saved there. I said, you rode a bus. He goes, I did, I was off of Foxdale. So we're still running a bus in there on Foxdale. 
He goes, I got saved. I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. Oh, I'm not saying they're all going to live for God. But this church has had an influence on literally millions of people. You can go to another church if you want, and they're, they're, they're my, but make sure you get to a church that's doing something to reach the boys and girls and the men and women and the drunk on the street and those that are in great need and make sure that you're a church that's not trying to divide but rather try to help. Robert Rakes, you know Robert Rakes because in London he began the Sunday school movement in the 1790s, came to America in just a matter of a few years, there was over 500 Sunday schools in the streets of America, in the cities of America. Robert Race saw these kids on Sunday afternoon because the little ruffians, as they called them, the chimney sweeps, these boys and girls that lived on the streets and the slums, many times abandoned by parents and rough kids, they worked six and a half days a week. The truth story about these little children that go into these great estates and they would crawl up the mortar in the chimney and clean the chimney. They were called chimney sweeps. Sometimes because it narrowed as it got and their clothing got caught, they were caught in that mortar and could not get out. We're told that some people were so disgusted with they just lit the fire and burned them. Got rid of them. Didn't want to deal with it. Robert Rake saw these kids that had been working six and a half days a week. It was on a Sunday afternoon. And he saw these boys fist fights everywhere. And Robert said, I've got to do something about these kids. I'm successful in business. I've got to do something about these kids. They began to find Christian men and women. He said, I'll pay you 25 cents a week to teach Sunday school on Sunday afternoon. He said to the children that were in those slums, hey boys, hey girls, I'll give you a dime a week if you come to Sunday school. And soon dozens came and then hundreds came and then thousands came and boys and girls were hearing the gospel message. That's loving thy neighbor as thyself. It began to change that area. and swept in the United States and Sunday school changed America. Revivals were beginning to break loose. William Booth, I mentioned his wife earlier. In his death, he said, I'll live my life for the drunk, the criminal, and the poor boys and girls of society. That has been my mission in life, he said. What poor boy, what poor girl, what young man, what young lady, what, what criminal, what drunk have we lived for? Don't, don't think about starting a ministry to the rich. Thank God for the rich. I hope we reach the rich and God allow us to do that as we keep reaching, reaching the poor, the lame, the halt. That's what Jesus went about doing. He went about doing good for those that could not help themselves. He helped blind people. He helped the lame people. He helped the deaf people. He helped the, the widow woman at the well. He helped the lady who has been a, an adulteress all her whole adult life. He helped people on the journey of life. Look all around you, find someone in need. It's not gonna change anything on the streets this week. 
If we sign petitions, oh, I'll tell you what's going to help if we do something about it. For a Christian, we love God. What can I do to help people? And not just financially, help them with their soul. Help them with their eternal destiny so things change on the inside and it's reflected on the outside. D.L. Moody was a man that lived in Boston and as a young adult man, 19, he went to a Sunday school class and his teacher that week came to find him at the shoe store. When D.L. Moody saw, saw his Sunday school teacher came, he went and hid in the back room amongst the shelves of the, uh, of the shoes. And as I was he, hiding, his Sunday school teacher came in there and said, D.L., I know you're in there. I came to talk to you about your soul. And he led D.L. Moody to Christ. D.L. Moody shook two continents for Christ. D.L. Moody never had any formal training, but he got so burdened about reaching the people of Chicago where he had moved to be working in that region, and he got so burdened about the streets of Chicago. I wish we could get a burden for Chicago today. It's such a beautiful city, but it's gone so sail haywire today. D.L. Moody saw these, like Robert Rakes, these kids in the mid-1800s. He said, I'm going to start a Sunday school for these kids, but no church wanted them. He finally found a church, and they said, we don't want those kids in our church. He goes, how about Sunday afternoon? Will you rent me a pew? Just give me one pew. I'll rent a pew. After a few weeks, he had to rent several pews. And after several weeks, he, several months, he had over 2,000 boys and girls coming to his Sunday school. And it began to reach and began to run wagons, horse-drawn wagons through the streets of Chicago to bring them over to his place that they could hear the gospel message. I want you to know that there's something you and I can do. Perhaps you're at home and you're not able to get to church anymore. Perhaps your health has betrayed you. Could you become a prayer warrior for your church, for your city, for this area, for our state? California needs what we have and California has legislated that they don't want the church. But California needs the church. Virginia needs the church. New Mexico needs the church. Colorado needs the church. Oregon and Washington need the church. Nevada needs the church. And these many cities that are still shut down, we need in every single city in America and every single state a place that preaches the gospel on Sunday and lives the gospel Monday through Saturday in our area. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love is an action. Love, love is a demonstration. Love is a denial. I'll put my wishes and wants behind to live for the needs of another person. I want to say in closing, I, I don't know what it's like to be a Filipino or an Indian or a black or any other race or any other national. I don't know what it must be like. I would hope you think it's great because God created us as we are. 
But I don't buy into this thing. I don't buy into it that we all hate one another. I don't. I've pastored here, and I know it's still five years away, but almost a half a century. I've pastored in this region a long time. I feel like most people in our city are very kind. I was riding a little scooter, fast scooter on Christmas down the street with my grandkids two years ago, and I hit a hole and went flying over the top of it and landed on the concrete on my face and uh, dazed and uh, bleeding everywhere. I'd go to the hospital and get back stitched up. That's why he called me Scarface. I'd done the same thing two years before that on my bicycle. Stitched up so I got scars everywhere. I got scars here when I tried to shave at six years of age with my dad's straight razor shaver. Uh, you know, when I landed on the street and pavement, a dear lady rushed and her husband rushed and brought me, one of my neighbors, I don't even know him, brought me a towel to stop the bleeding. And I said, I'm okay, I'll go home. And they said, oh no, you're staying right here. They don't even know me, they cared for me. When I had the first one over here in the park, several Indian ladies saw it. And I got up off my bike, I'd broken some rib, a rib, a rib or two, and had the bleeding here, and, and uh, I said, I'm just going to go home. They said, oh, no, we've already called the, the police and the fire and the ambulance. They're on their way. That was one of the most depressing days of my life because they got there in some fire department. The first thing I heard, we got an old man here that got hurt. <laughs> the police came and said, is this the old man that got hurt? That was the second one. I was in an ambulance going to the hospital of Stanford, and they, they said, are you bringing that old man that hurt himself on the bike? That's the third one. I got in there, there was literally five doctors around me and some nurses in, in you know, this trauma center, and all of a sudden, someone in the hallway, is this where the old man is that hurt himself? Bunch of idiots. I'm not gonna love those people, I'll tell you that right now. Oh, we've had some mean people along the way in the pathway of life. I tell you what, there's so many good people, kind people, every race, good people, would care for you, love you. My mother fell in a grocery store before her death, and she had fallen, she was there, and my dad was trying to help her, and he was no help, you know, he couldn't help her. My mom said to me, as they went to the hospital, I went to go visit, my mom said, Jack, well, excuse me, Dr. Treber, she says, you know, son, there are so many good people in this world. Everybody tried to help me. Don't fall for this that we all hate, for one, hate one another. I was riding my bicycle on Thursday night. Now, I, I never ride. Don't, 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 I'm not working out. Are you kidding? I just sort of cruise around, you know, have a good time. And I was riding my bicycle to the park over here. I'm going this way and a black man's coming this way. I've never seen him in my life. I said, hello, sir. Riding real casual, slow, and he's coming. You know, that man, 
was so sweet to me. His face was kind. He said, I'm doing fine. How you doing? Went about five houses further. God sent another black man by my way. I said, oh, sir, how you doing? His face was so sweet, so kind. He smiled. He answered me back so kindly. I don't buy into it that we all hate one another. I don't. I don't believe it. I just don't believe that. Oh, I believe there's some illustrations that would break your heart. Just would break your heart. And there's wrongs. I understand that. Since Monday more than ever, I've claimed be ye kind one to another. I want to be kind to everybody this week. I want to demonstrate it. I want to put an action to it. I want to put a self-denial for it. I want to help some drunks. I want to help some poor kids. I want to help some widows. I want to help whatever ethnic background or race it is. I want to help those. I want to help some missions this week. Because love is the key. Love is supreme. Sweeter it grows, more glory bestows. Bright as the sun ever it glows. Love is the theme, eternal theme. So if I'm going to love mankind like I need to, I have to meet God every day. Oh, how I love Jesus. I have to get more time with you, dear Lord. I need to love you more. I love him better every D-A-Y. I want to love you more today. And it's amazing when I fall in love more here, it's always exercised right here. Oh, you'll meet some mean people on the pathway of life. There's a lot of good people out there that need help and want help. My sweet father-in-law is still alive. He's 95. He's living in a nursing care facility and he's not had any visitors for now 12 weeks. No one's allowed to go see him. That's how those rest homes are. It's very tragic. I talked to him one time and it's so difficult to talk. He can't get a hold of him, can't hear. We went to the Pecatonica we went to the, the, pray, the, the, the fair in Winnebago years ago. Years ago, our kids were still little in Illinois. We were there visiting, went over to the next county to go to the fair. They had all these different booths. One man was, see the world's fattest, it said fattest man. And I paid whatever it was, 50 cents, whatever, to go see this big old guy. He weighed over 600 pounds, just like in a swimsuit, just, just, enormous amount of, uh, of flesh, fat. And he sat on a table and people just came and looked at him. And it broke my heart. Just broke my heart. And I said to him, sir, it was hot, it was humid. I said, is there anything I can do for you? Can I, can I get you something? You want water? And he swore at me. Got mad at me. I turned and went out of that tent. I said, fine. I was ticked off at him. Man, I'm trying to do good. He's yelling at me. My father-in-law was going into, and my father-in-law, I said, that guy's mad. He stayed in there and stayed in there. I thought, he's sitting on my father-in-law right now. 
I wouldn't have gone in if it was my mother-in-law, but it was my father-in-law. He's sitting on them right now. He's killing them. After quite a while, my father-in-law came out and he had tears in his eyes. I said, what happened in there? He said, that Jack, Jack, that man was so broken. And I showed, shared with him how that God loved him. And he bowed his head and he asked Jesus Christ to be a Savior. I missed it. I was trying to be kind because I want him to be indebted to me, I guess. Who knows what my motive was? I thought I was trying to be kind. My father went to get him the gospel. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.